0: and girls and those of you who identify as neither welcome back to another week in the apocalypse a fast track train to hell your favorite weekly medicine tales of taboo for those of you who are new here and with the subject of today's episode, I would imagine quite a few of you might be, uh, my name is Allie Weiss. I am a downtown New York Z-list writer, performer, and somehow professional conversationalist. And this is a show I created to talk about all people, places, ideas, occupations, and experiences that are outside the bounds of what society traditionally considers to be acceptable. And most of the time, the episodes of this show are composed of anonymous confessions that are sourced from my listeners and their friends and their friends of friends, and sometimes even people that I find on TikTok. But every once in a while, I will have something to say or something that I would like to address, and I hit the microphone solo. And this week is going to be a solo episode. Um, to be completely honest with you, I haven't felt this nervous recording something or even talking about something since uh, the episode that I did about my experience at Barstool Sports. And with that episode, I was mostly concerned about the backlash that I knew I was going to face because anytime anybody speaks out against Barstool um, they get attacked by the Barstool community who are you know defending their their fearless leader, kind of like the Jesus effect or the effect in the church. Um, today is scarier because I am speaking out about something that doesn't just uh, rub thousands of you know traditionally heterosexual white men the wrong way. it rubs, uh, millions of people all over the country and the world the wrong way. But an, again, another truth. I originally was not planning on talking about this today or at all. Um, I was preparing to have this be an episode about my trip to Daytona to cover Bike Week, um, which is an episode that has come out at this moment in time weeks before (laughs) this does. Um, But this has been all that I can think about. And I was really on the fence as to whether or not I, I wanted to share it in this way. So as of today, I am five days out from having an abortion. I did not hesitate for a second in making the decision about what I wanted to do. Oh my God, here come the tears. <laughs> um, I didn't hesitate. I, I knew from the moment that I suspected that I was pregnant, um, that I was not ready. Let's be honest, I am of childbearing age, appropriate childbearing age, which is psycho because in certain ways I still feel 16. I I still felt and even currently feel like 16 and pregnant. Um, But I'm 28 and I am in a relationship that is loving and supportive and healthy and stable and exactly the kind of thing that I dreamt about and even manifested, if you will, uh, throughout the entire duration of my 20s. And should I want to have a child, I would be lucky to have the financial support of my partner um, as well as the emotional support mental, spiritual support and consent to becoming a parent uh, on the topic of parents. I also have loving and supportive parents um, who, you know, may at first question, as I did, why now, um, but would ultimately be in, in my corner to help. Um, I myself, my income waxes and wanes Uh, But I am surrounded by people who are stable. And I say all of this because I think there is this idea, wrongfully, that if you are of age, if you are in a supportive relationship, if you have a supportive family, you should have your baby. But that is so not right. Right. So when I went online and started looking for uh, anecdotes or personal essays from women who had also had abortions, um, every single one that I found a piece of writing, or, you know, a quote that was written out started with women justifying why, why they were choosing to have an abortion before they mentioned the experience itself, before they mentioned how they felt about it, before they mentioned anything that really matters, their first instinct was to justify to the rest of the world, here is why I decided to terminate my pregnancy. Over and over and over in everything I was reading, this is what I saw. Before it's about me as the woman, the individual, It's about what the rest of the world is going to think. I mean, it it, it was shocking to see that. And I promised myself that when I spoke about this and when I wrote about this, I, I wasn't going to start with this because my reasoning for not wanting to continue a pregnancy shouldn't matter to anybody. That's nobody's business but my own. Except that... It's the first question that everybody asks. And except that, I appear to the outside world who have been conditioned, no matter what side of the woman's right to choose spectrum you fall on, to believe that I am in a position where I should have a baby. And so now I feel obligated to say, even though, again, it's nobody's business, that what? The, how am I going to have a child. I only moved out of my parents' house like four months ago. This is my first serious relationship in four years and is probably the healthiest relationship that I have ever had. And as much as we know it's right and it works, it's so early in our trajectory to want to take the next step like this. And more importantly than my partner, more importantly than my family, more importantly than my living situation, I still have so much that I don't just want to do but feel as though I need to do in order to feel as though I have lived a full life. And out of the gate, The argument against women who have abortions is it's a selfish thing to do. What is selfish is bringing a child into the world when you know you don't want one, when you know you are not ready to be a mother. Providing a child with a mother that doesn't want it I mean, I can't think of anything that's more selfish than that. And I grew up with kids who were maybe not explicitly told by their parents that they weren't wanted or that having children inconvenienced them or messed up their life plans, but it was implied through how hands-off they were and how selfish the the parents were in their actions while raising a child and not making the child feel like the child was the center of their universe i'm not somebody who believes that people especially women need to give up their individuality when they become parents in fact i think it's an amazing opportunity to graduate to the next step of the evolution of life and it's beautiful living for somebody or somebody's plural, besides yourself. But you see the, the, the repercussions of it. You see the implications of it when you encounter a child and a parent who is in some way bitter towards their child um, for holding them back from fulfilling their destiny. I can't be the best version of myself for anybody else, unless I fulfill what it is that, that I feel called to do. And as I'm saying this, I am so aware of how much privilege is in that statement. Um, to have a life where you have the opportunities to pursue what it is that you want to do and can actually see your dreams to fruition. But I would argue that even for people who don't have, you know, entertainment or performative aspirations, who even just want to complete their degree or even just want to make it to the role of manager in their workplace or, I don't know, have a garden or master a skill or learn a language. I mean, simply put, you don't have as much time for you when you have to care for another. And again, I know that sounds selfish, but what's wrong with being selfish sometime? In theory, the more selfish we are, the more we really ask ourselves what we want and focus on our own well-being the more we nourish ourselves, the easier it is to nourish others and do it from a an authentic, caring place that's free of jealousy, free of bitterness, free of remorse or hostility. And that's how we create a better world. You know, I, I think for as much as I was concrete in my decision from the beginning, there were some moments where I got caught uh in the the domino brain as I like to call it you know one domino falls and then the rest of it falls and and you just your mind ends up going in a million different directions thinking about a million different things and um I started to think okay well what if something is wrong with me what if something is wrong with me for not wanting this child um and I would like stand in the shower and hold my belly and look down at it and try to envision a, a living thing being in there. And it it just wouldn't happen for me. Either you feel it or you don't. And that's not necessarily just a result of biology or femininity or whatever. A lot of it has to do with how you grew up and what your family values are and what your religious values are and what you aspire to and how important... Family is to you, and for the record, family is everything to me. I come from a very codependent family, and again, I am looking forward to being a parent in the future, but standing there naked in the shower, trying to, to mentally get myself to this place of, of, I don't know, g- g- goddess energy femininity you know it's just what's more natural than like standing in the shower looking at like a potted plant and holding your stomach and trying to like imagine yourself like as this like growing expanding womb or this growing expanding thing it was just i i felt no connection to that and then i started to feel guilty and i started to think well what's wrong with me that i don't feel any connection to this but it goes back to what i just said that point about so so much of it depends on like It's nature versus nurture, right? How much of it is your biological clock and how much of it is growing up in a community that tells you that like the center of your universe should be having children, raising children, giving your your parents grandchildren? How much of your community is filled with working women, career ambitious women, women who, who want a life for themselves before they develop one in tandem with another, and so there definitely was a, a moment of ping-ponging of, is this a me problem? Is it, is it something, a deficiency that I have that this supposed miracle happened to me and there's just no part of me that feels connected to it? But then I realized that that was me falling prey to society. And here we are again. With women putting the, the, the values and the projections and the opinions of others before their own feelings about a matter, even if the matter is literally contained in their own body, I, I knew what I was going to do. Um, and I didn't, after that initial moment of wondering if it was a me problem, I didn't feel any guilt and I didn't feel any guilt about it. Hi, I'm Josie Toda. I'm Alisa Pascual Pena. And I'm Yasmeen Hamidi. We're three best friends, like literally sisters out of the same womb. We're also actresses and disruptors, and the host of new crooked media podcast, Dare We Say Every week, we'll dive into the issues affecting our generation from income inequality, LGBTQ rights, and the nightmare that is our landing page. Mm-hmm. This is about to get, dare we say, heated. New episodes drop every Thursday starting August 11th. Subscribe to Dare We Say wherever you listen to your podcasts. While it was happening, and I I don't feel any guilt about it now, and I'm not ashamed of any of that. So after deciding that I wanted to get an abortion, the next step was figuring out how I want to have it. And I had read that during the pandemic, there was an increase in medical abortions. Um... Often via telehealth. So, uh, a medical abortion is where you take two pills. Um, The first one you take 24 to 48 hours before um, the second. The first one stops the pregnancy from growing, and the second one uh, forces your body to expel the pregnancy. And when I weighed my options um, and I thought about this headspace that I was already in about, Feeling very confident in my decision, but not wanting to get wrapped up in the thoughts of others. Um, I decided that being able to essentially have a forced miscarriage in the privacy of my own home with my partner um, was the right decision for me rather than going to a clinic. And even in going to a place like Planned Parenthood, On the way in, you face protesters. Yes, even in New York City, there are people praying and there are people yelling and there are people trying to make you feel bad about your decision. Um, And, you know, being in a waiting room surrounded by a bunch of people who didn't want to be there or who were remorseful or were regretful or were having an experience that was totally valid, but just different from mine. I think when you're in this unbelievably vulnerable position that is probably the most taboo thing you can do, um, it's it's important to stay focused on, again, what is the most important thing for you? And I, I weighed the pros and cons. Um, going to a clinic is certainly the faster option and the cleaner option. You know, you you go, you you get it done, and then it's kind of over, um, with the exception of some residual symptoms. I've read for a couple days afterwards. Whereas with the medical abortion that I did, y- you go through a deeply uncomfortable process, which we'll get to, um, and then you have to deal with those residual symptoms for up to like two months afterwards. But Just not knowing how I was going to feel about it in the moment and and, and, and wanting to really prioritize myself, um, the medical abortion was the correct option for me. And I am deeply, deeply lucky to live in a place where I had access to telehealth. And it was fundamentally a very easy process. Um, I filled out a questionnaire online. I spoke to somebody over the phone. I confirmed with my ID that it was me. And they sent the medication to my house in an unmarked package. Um, You know, scarier than the actual process of abortion itself was the waiting. It was the purgatory of waiting to hear back. Well, first, it was waiting for the result of the pregnancy test, even though I knew what it was going to say. And then it was waiting to hear back after I applied to get the medicine. And then it was waiting for the medicine to show up in the mail. And then it was taking the first pill and waiting for the one to two days to pass before taking the second. Then it's taking the second pill and waiting for it to work. And now after it's all over, it's the purgatory of like wanting to make sure that it actually worked and that it was successful and there there are no residual issues. It, it's really, at least in my experience, it was the waiting that was scarier than the actual event. It was the unknown. And that unknown was made much worse when I went online. So I made the decision when I found out that I was pregnant and that I wanted to have an abortion. And I'm going to keep saying the word abortion, by the way, because I, th- I think we need to normalize this word and we need to not allow a word to send shivers down our spine, um, just as how I think it's preposterous that the word cunt sends people into a fit of rage. I mean, back in the day, that's what people called their vagina. Um, And we can't let words have so much power, especially not a word that pertains to women's reproductive health and freedom of choice. Um, So abortion there we go but when i made the decision that i was going to get one I, i i had to decide how many people i wanted to involve in this process um and the truth was i really didn't want it to be very many so i didn't tell my parents initially Um, I didn't tell the overwhelming majority of my friends. I had just gotten back from Daytona, and I did indeed feel deeply ill and was having um, a lot of, of pregnancy symptoms. But I told everybody that I was sick pretty much for two weeks as I was leading up to this process, completing this process, and then recovering from it, which I am now. Um, So I decided not to tell my parents because, as I previously mentioned, I've just moved out of their house and and finally achieved this level of independence and adulthood that I really put off having Um, in some ways. You know, it's like all that money that I could have spent on rent over the years I spent on traveling to foreign countries and um, being this like weird kind of off kilter journalist and writer and starting the show. And I had a lot of freedom in my 20s because I chose to sacrifice the freedom that comes with not living with your parents. But even so, now that I finally have this freedom, um, I, 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 I love my parents and they would have been amazing. But, you know, you I, I just didn't need their opinion throughout all of this. And I also didn't want a bunch of well-meaning um but maybe overbearing friends constantly checking in on me asking how i'm doing like looking out for me looking out for me is that's the wrong way to put it That's a beautiful thing to do but you know you you don't want people because this is such a mysterious and 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 taboo thing To go through, um, you don't want people's own fears or misconceptions, um, even if it's coming from a caring place, to kind of start rubbing you the wrong way. So I ended up telling uh, two of my friends who are both kind of mild-mannered and um, very chilled and laid back, um, and, of course, my boyfriend who came to New York to do this with me. But that made it a very isolating experience, especially since nobody that I chose to tell had gone through this before. And so I took to the internet, as we all do. And it was the internet, it was the the information I was finding on the internet and the lack of information that I was finding on the internet that made me start to worry, that turned the waiting period into what I perceived as purgatory. Again, when I first found out that I was pregnant, it was like a no-brainer. I was like, now is not my time. And it was only when I started hearing other people's opinions, and in this case, going online and reading other people's opinions, that I started to be like, what the fuck, and like forcing myself to reconsider. And all I was seeing online, with the exception of very, very few and far between personal essays, which thank God those even exist, but even those started with the, Hi, I had an abortion. Let me tell you why. And then multiple paragraphs down, I'm going to tell you how I actually felt about it. There was that. And there were the people in the forums, the medical forums or like the abortion support forums that were talking about how deeply, immensely painful their medical abortion was, how it was the worst pain they'd ever experienced in their life, how they couldn't stop vomiting. They had diarrhea. They were bleeding gobs. They had to go to the emergency room. They couldn't stand up. One woman was talking about how she couldn't keep anything back because she was so nauseous. So her boyfriend had to hold up a plate of like ground up oxycodone that she snorted. You know, stories of, of people going into the clinic to get abortions and holding their stomachs and weeping and feeling so regretful and feeling as though they'll never be the same person ever again. And look, every woman's story is valid. Every single person's response to their experience with abortion is valid. But when you are getting overwhelmingly negative um, f- feedback, overwhelmingly negative experiences of I had to give up my baby because of X, Y, and Z circumstances and I did not want to, or people who consciously chose not to take their pain and anti nausea medication because they wanted to be forced with the consequences of their actions they wanted to be forced to face how they did something wrong what it it hurt me reading These anecdotes from these women saying, you know, when when you get sent the package with the medication or when it's given to you at a clinic, they they include very high dose ibuprofen and they include anti-nausea medication. And you're also told that you can take other things to keep your fever and, and your dizziness and your nausea and the pain at bay. And to see that women didn't think that they were worthy of numbing the physical pain of their experience... Because they had somehow done something wrong by getting into this position. I I mean, it brings me to tears just thinking about it. And it was in that moment reading those anecdotes that I thought to myself, I have to do something about this. I told you, I didn't even want to tell my own parents. But for... For somebody like me who has the life and the reputation and the platform that I do and who lives in New York City and who is liberal-minded and who has, like, all, su- all the support in the world, like, for me to be feeling so isolated and alone and dirty and... Uh, wrong for not wanting this baby like for me to feel all of these things and be who I am like these girls who are in these states that that ban abortion that shame women for having abortions that tell them that they're sinners for getting them like just to read that there are women out there who who don't think they're worthy of like taking medication like it it moved me it it horrified me and it moved me. And it was in that moment that I thought to myself, I don't care what anybody has to say about this. I don't care if I get called selfish. I don't care if I get called a, a fucking baby killer. I don't care what I get called by anybody who has a problem with this. I don't care if my parents' friends listen to this and think, oh, like, well, it was irresponsible for her to get pregnant. Shit happens. Like, fuck you. Why does anybody feel superior to another? Why does anybody think that they have the right to tell another how they should live their life? And I was so sad to not see any resources online while I was suffering from this, like, inner turmoil that came not from my decision, again, to go through with this process, but the turmoil that came from just not seeing anybody who had an experience that was anything like mine, who had gone through this and not felt bad about it and and was not ashamed to attach their name and their face to their experience. I was like, if me speaking out about this helps one person feel better about their choice or empowers them to go up against people who have something to say about their decision or just simply make somebody feel less alone like my job here is done and you know what this is something I guess I should say at the end it's some like grand conclusion but you know I'm gonna say it now like I I was reborn by terminating my pregnancy by ending the life that existed within a teeny tiny mass of cells that plopped into my toilet and looked nothing like a baby for the record by choosing to to end that i was given the opportunity to reevaluate my entire life and my entire role as a woman in society, and my entire role as somebody with a social media platform, and you know what, my entire role as the the self proclaimed, but also you know someone who's earned the reputation of being like the princess of taboo. Taboo to the past couple of for the past couple of years has meant to me like you know people who are considered to be deviants gamblers, hustlers, drug addicts, partiers, um sex workers, like, you know, people who I always found deeply compelling and deeply human and and, and full of valuable lessons. But for as much as I rejected like, you know, having a a, a, a raunchy sex show in favor of like storytelling, I I thought that was me offering, like, a different definition of what taboo is, right? But then you compare what I was doing with all of that to the uh, taboos that really matter. Like, the taboo of a woman's right to fucking choose whether or not to become a mother. Oh, my God. It it was this come-to-Jesus moment for me where I was like... Uh, it's, it's the, it's like the natural next step. This is my growth. Like, this is my, this is where I'm meant to be. This is what I'm meant to do. It brings me immense joy and makes me feel tremendously satisfied to assist in telling stories of people who are felt as though, who, who feel as though they're not able to do so because of judgment. But it truly feels like my higher calling purpose to step into these shoes that no one wants to fill of being an every woman. Like, yeah, sure. Multiple circumstances of my life are not every woman's circumstances, but I'm not famous. I'm not a billionaire. Like, Who who am I? Like I'm like a 28 year old chick. Like I'm not that different. If if in any way, shape, or form at all different from those of you who are listening to this. And and it's for me to be able to step into these shoes and say I am you, and I did this, and my life went on. If anything, my life got better. I mean, like what, what more can you ask for? So let's talk about the actual abortion itself. The boardy, as my boyfriend calls it. <laughs> We've just been like abbreviating everything, trying to make it cutesy. Um, so leading up to the actual procedure, was it a procedure? It was like the pill popping. I actually put the second round of pills in my vagina. That's an option because it reduces the nausea. Um, holy hell, did I feel bad. I, I must have been, they tell you to calculate how pregnant you are from the first day of your last period, but that's kind of limiting because you don't know exactly when within that you got pregnant. And I didn't go for a sonogram, um, so I, I don't I don't know exactly how pregnant I was, but I'm going to guess it was like three weeks to a month. They said six weeks, the specialist, based on that calculation, um, but I'm going to say th- uh, probably about a month. Um And even a month in, oh my God, (laughs) where do I begin? Like the cramping and the back pain and the fatigue and the mood swings. Oh my God. I was such a crybaby. I was crying at literally everything, not just like emotional stuff. Like I was not like looking at babies and crying or like, you know, talking to somebody and crying about like the profoundness of like love and the human experience. Like I I was literally like on the train and like saw an ad for like erectile dysfunction medication and would start weeping. Walking down the street, see an overflowing trash can, start weeping. What the hell? I was like deeply unhinged and had no control over it either. I felt like a marionette doll. I almost felt like the way that I was acting, like I was like a character in a Sims game and some like deranged person was controlling me and was like, let's give her severe psychological issues. Like, like a severe, I, I, it was up and down and up and down. And when I was in Daytona, man, I had this one depressive episode that was like, I have not experienced anything like this since I was in college and like unmedicated and, and, and was deeply in a depressive point in my life, but didn't know why. Like I've been good since then. I've worked my ass off to be good since then. I, my shit's on lock. I take the right meds. I see the right therapist. My lifestyle is healthy. Like I have worked hard to not fall into that dark place again. And when I say dark place, I mean dark place where you think every road is a dead one where you think that going on living is not worth it, like that kind of dark. And I landed there one night in Daytona and it was terrifying, terrifying. There were like certain things that triggered it, but I didn't get into like a fight. It wasn't like some sort of angry or like sad or depressive situation. It was like a constructive talk with my assistant about like career related things and changes that I wanted to make as I was secretly pregnant and chewing on all of this stuff. But then that night as I was going to sleep, whoo, I went all the way down the rabbit hole and and was like, there's no way out of here. I'm fucked. Like I'm not going to wake up tomorrow morning. And then, of course, I did wake up tomorrow morning and we went to Waffle House and it was fantastic. Um, the mood swings, man, are really tough and just the general lack of energy and the overwhelming presence of nausea. I, I actually didn't throw up at all. I, every time I had heard about morning sickness, I perceived that as... Um, like vomiting. Um, But I I never vomited. I just felt like, uh, like the feeling I had was almost like you eat on the topic of Waffle House. You eat like too much fried food. Like you just eat like a lot of like greasy shit. And then you feel so weighed down and just kind of like, like icky. Like I just felt icky constantly. And it was getting in the way of me being able to like work productively or go to a workout class that's another thing, man. Oh my God. I go to bar classes and bar classes are filled with a lot of pregnant women. Like that is one exercise that people do for as long as they can possibly do it. And like, you know, the type of pregnant woman who like is excited for her baby, but really doesn't want to get fat. So it's like her arms are shredded. Her legs are cut. It's the, she just has this bump in the middle. Like now I realize, like when you have a very visible bump, like you are like pee far along. Like I, I was not showing in any way, but I felt, at least from what I could tell, so much more pregnant than these women in the class who were like dropping to the floor and doing their push-ups and using like the 10 to 15 pound weights and like they were on the bar and they're squatting and like they're they're killing it. And I, at three to four weeks pregnant, I'm like, (gasps) like, can't complete a class because I felt so nauseous. And I don't know if this is something that you eventually, like, outgrow as the process goes on. Um, But, yeah, I felt, I felt fucking horrid. And my grandma um, is getting older and she's a bit uh, slower now, mentally, physically um, there are some gaps in her uh, brain function. Is that a tasteful way to say it? But one of the positives about going out for dinner with her one on one in this particular time was I was able to take down the biggest bowl of pasta bolognese you have ever seen in your entire life. Like, I was very excited about it. I was like, that rigatoni of bolognese sauce sounds great. That's another thing. Gluten, oh my God, my my unborn cluster of cells all it was triggering my body to want was gluten. I think it was just like, I am in this point in my life where like, there are no rules. I am not in control of my body. Nothing counts. Let's just fucking indulge. I was eating like pasta for dinner, pizza for lunch, breakfast sandwiches for breakfast. I do not eat like that guys. Like I do not eat like that. All the things that I, I forced myself to eat that I probably don't actually enjoy and just like force myself to like eggs. Chicken, like polite health food, ugh, like retching at the mere thought of it. All I wanted was gluten. And one of the big bonuses of going out for dinner um, with an 87 year old woman and ordering that big bowl of gluten is that you can take down enough servings for three people and she will not suspect that you are pregnant. And then you do get very physically ill when you go through the actual medical process. So as I mentioned, it comes with anti-nausea medication and it comes with ibuprofen, which I strongly consider or, or encourage everybody to consider taking. I don't even consider it. Just shut up and do it because here's what I took. I took one 800 milligram ibuprofen pill every eight hours, which I think is the equivalent of taking like four Advil's. And I took the anti-nausea medication, which I think you also take like every eight hours. I took oxycodone that I had left over from some injury, which was like the lowest possible dose, but that shit is strong. And I put a THC suppository in my ass, which was actually, it's meant for menopausal women, which was kind of ironic. Um, But I shoved it up there and I put this like 600 milligram CBD rub all over my body and still, still even with all of that, and all of that on top of a heating pad, mind you, there's a heating pad on my bed as well. On top of that, my pain was at like a 7.5 throughout the entire process. So if I was doped up at that level where I was like so high that I was like dizzy and I was still at a 7.5, I cannot imagine what those aforementioned women who were talking about, you know, needing to face into their decisions and their consequences and uh, raw dogging it, like, this is a reality that you don't want to raw dog. Like, I always talk about how like sober people raw dogging reality, how, how tough that might be. But it's like, you know what? Like, life is amusing, even in a very dark way. It's, it's fucking funny. Every day is like a freak show. No matter where you live, if you know what to look for. You can find amusement. You can find entertainment. But man terminating a pregnancy and raw dogging that is, I can't imagine. Like now I get why somebody's boyfriend had to hold a platter of crushed up oxycodone up to their face and she snorted it um, on the bathroom floor, which in another situation might be glamorous and heroin chic. And in this one is just like truly terrifying. So I took the pills and I think I probably waited about two hours before they started working. And when they started working, the best way that I can describe it is like a series of very, very intense cramping, like contractions. I've never gone into labor, so I don't know if it's exactly the same. Um, they warn you that it's going to be like a very like intense period, but it's significantly more intense than a period. And you're also pla- passing these like clots, and you're paranoid about like the clots being like the baby. And like, do you look at it? Do you not look at it? Um, some people experience like horrid diarrhea. Luckily, I did not deal with that, at least not that day. Um, but you know, it, it was just like it was uncomfortable. It's like not something that I would like hype anybody up about, but it's survivable. Like for all of those people who were writing on these message boards, like I didn't think that I was going to get through it. I didn't think I was going to survive. Like, no, like you will. It's fine. It's pain, but like it's the exact same pain that you would have to go through if you were giving birth to a child. So What's the difference if you do it this way or if you had decided to keep your child and you had to deal with this in nine months? There was no terrifying, horrifying, scarring moment where I like looked down in the toilet and like saw a baby or like looked in my underwear and like saw a baby. The only way that I had actually known it had passed was because one of the blood clots was like heavier than the other ones. And that was it. Actually, wow. Well, (laughs) last night was humbling. Um, Some people say that like about six days after the procedure, if you've had a medical abortion, like you might experience more bleeding and more cramping. Um, one of the things that I've been left with since going through my procedure was extreme constipation. And this is something that I, um, well, girls don't poop. So of course this is something I've never dealt with, but you know, I'm a different person now, but <laughs> yeah, this is something that was never like an issue for me. And I, I don't know if it's like the hormone fluctuations or what's going on in my stomach or I, I don't, I try my best not to know too much about anatomy. Um, cause it grosses me out. I'm squeamish, but I, for whatever reason, like It is just, nothing is coming out. And last night, I felt like an 85 year old whose insides were just entirely devoid of hydration. And I was like shaking and sweating and dizzy. And like, I honestly thought I I had to go to the hospital. And I called an emergency medical hotline um, that was associated with the telehealth group that I used to get the pills. And I was like, I think something's wrong with me. Like, I'm having very concerning, like severe cramping. The, The cramping this time around was actually worse than it was when I was going through the actual process. I was like, I feel like I'm gonna die. And I told them, I was like, I've been incredibly constipated and I don't know if that has something to do with it. And they were like, just, you probably are suffering from extreme constipation. We've had multiple uh, patients call us thinking that they are having a severe health issue when really they're just having a hard time passing their bowels. So we would recommend that you wait until tomorrow and uh, call us back tomorrow. And little do you know, I woke up this morning and it was gone. Um, But the reason it was gone is because I had to Instacart, uh, for those of you listening who don't know what Instacart is, it's it's essentially like a version of like Postmates, but people can go grocery shopping for you or run your errands for you. Um, so at 10.45 PM, I had to have an Instacart person um, go buy me Dolcalax laxative suppositories and also preparation age suppositories because in my constipation, I had pushed so hard that I think I may have given myself a hemorrhoid and I don't know whether or not I have because I haven't looked because I'm too scared to look because I don't want to see that there could potentially be a hemorrhoid on my asshole. Um, I'm too young for that and just too cute for that, and I have no business having a hemorrhoid. Um, I thought this was what I was trying to avoid in choosing not to give birth, but alas, here we are. And so the guy finally arrives at like 11, and he can't even look me in the eye. He like, he does one of those things where he's like, he's like dabbing over his like left shoulder and like holding out his right arm and just has the bag and he's like, have a good night, miss. And then like scampers off. And I was like, wow. Yeah. Like, I, I think he expected to be showing up to somebody's house with um, stool softener, suppository stool softener and suppositories of preparation age for a hemorrhoid. I think he was expecting a grandmother. And then to see me come out in like a little tank top, he was probably like, my life is meaningless. I will say through the actual process of of terminating the pregnancy, I said before that I didn't feel guilty and I didn't feel guilty in terms of my choice to do it. But I did feel guilty and I do feel guilty. When I think about all of the women who have been trying and failing for years to get pregnant, women who go through IVF, who try every alternative therapy under the sun, who prey on it, who ever since they were a little girl have only seen themselves as being a mother, people who can't stop miscarrying, people who have to have an abortion because of their circumstances, but really. Don't want one. That's that's what made me feel bad was thinking of how many women wished to be in my position. And for this to happen to me so easily and so unexpectedly and so inconveniently, and for me to just be like, nah, I don't want it. You know? I think when you're in this position of experiencing something that's like a universal female experience, it's difficult not to carry the experiences of other women with you. The experiences of other women who have had abortions, the experiences of other women who have had miscarriages, the experiences of other women who have tried desperately to get pregnant and have not been able to and interestingly enough for that i feel compelled to say that i'm sorry i'm sorry to anybody who's listening to this oh my like, god here i go again the fucking waterworks and i thought my hormones would get better at this point but i um i'm sorry to anybody who's listening who just like wants a baby and because of their circumstances have not been able to have one and I'm sorry if you hate me for that. I'm sorry if you hate any woman who has a child or who decides to terminate a child for that, but we all have one life and it's short and we can't we can't make decisions for other people and i just want anybody who's in that position listening to this to know that like i i i do think about you i think about you a lot it was the bulk of what i was thinking about as i was having a miscarriage in my bathroom um and you know what i don't know that anybody who's religious is actually going to listen to this unless they uh they want to shame me. Um, (laughs) But you know, maybe there are some of you who are religious, um, who like my work and who like me. And I want to address you too. I don't shame anybody for holding religious beliefs. In fact, I totally get it. Sorry, I'm gonna blow my nose. (laughs) You guys want real, you want honest, you want authentic. Here we go. Um, I don't blame any of you. Who, who have really strong religious beliefs because the, the world is a scary place, man. The world is a deeply unfair place and it's filled with a lot of injustice and a total lack of answers and a lack of feeling purposeful and every corner seems to lead to a dead end and every morning we wake up and there's a virus and there's a war and people are dying and the economy is collapsing and some people have so much and others have so little and it is fucking unfair it sucks. And you know what? Sometimes I am envious of people who believe in God because you are able to believe that it is all meant to happen this way and it is meant to lead to something bigger and that God has a plan. And I think that's really beautiful. And for those of us who don't believe in a God, I certainly believe in collective consciousness. I believe in a A higher power, Um, I believe that human beings are capable of so much more than we are even aware of on a scientific level. But I don't believe in God. And without that belief of everything happening uh, because it's meant to, and that something good is going to happen at the end of tragedy, always, um, that gets hard. And when you grow up in a place where religion is culturally at the epicenter, like, of course, you're going to adopt religious beliefs. It's incredibly hard to go against the grain in any subset of society, religious or not, urban or rural, you know, educated or not white or black or yellow or purple or whatever, to be somebody who goes against the belief system of the thousands to millions of people around them, that's really fucking hard. I mean, I think about my schooling, my education. I went to like the hippiest like granola crunching school ever and I could probably count on one hand the amount of out and proud conservatives um, that went to my school. Those people couldn't speak up for what they believed in. Same goes for religion. The overwhelming majority of people who went to my school were like culturally Jewish, maybe even have had a bar about mitzvah, but like religion really wasn't like a center point of of anybody's existence. And if, if God was a big part of your life, when you're surrounded by a bunch of people who don't believe in that, my God, it's hard to stand up for yourself and and feel free to be who you are. You know, we are all a product of our circumstances. Again, with nature versus nurture, so much of who we are is a result of what we absorb and what we're exposed to and what we're not exposed to. And so if there are people listening to this who are staunchly against abortion and think it's God's plan and that I am a murderer and a sinner for doing what I did, I I don't hate you. I get it. That's what you were taught. The same way that I was brought up godless. (laughs) And New York City is like a very godless, often lawless place. There can be parallel experiences within the human experience. All I ask is that you just don't believe that one size fits all. And that you don't try to tell me that because I made a decision that you don't agree with means that it's not valid. And look, like, I, of course, was horrified when I heard that Texas banned abortions after six weeks. I was like, I thought that was unjust and wrong for so many reasons. You know I, I've always believed as has my mother and the women who raised me that women should always have the right to choose, but it was actually only after I became pregnant myself and made the decision to terminate the pregnancy at around the four week mark that I realized how early on six weeks actually is like you think six weeks sounds like more than enough time more than enough time to like figure out that you're pregnant and do something about it but generally speaking if your period is late you want to like wait a week before jumping to any conclusions and then you have to decide what you want to do go through the highs and lows of making that decision especially if you're not in a super supportive place then you need to find medical care and more than that you need to find medical care that you can afford and then you have to go through that process When I went online looking for a community and ended up finding all of those horror stories, I was reading crazy stories about like women who were going to these clinics that like forced them to get sonograms and like look at the screen against their will. And then you have to take a full week to like consider your choice. And then there's more waiting before you get confirmed for your procedure. And then you have to wait for your procedure. Like it's just a lot of waiting. Like, I think about the amount of waiting that I did to get approval and then get sent my medication in the mail. And by the way, like telehealth, it costs like 250 bucks, whereas I was reading stories about people paying like 750 or more, which is considerably different, considerably more. But there were all of these stories about like all the waiting that you have to do. Time goes by fast and you feel that time going by. Because the second you become acutely aware of the fact that something is inside you that's gonna grow, you're like racing against the clock. And so now I think about how short of a time six weeks actually is. And it's just like, wow, as if it wasn't unjust enough that abortion was not readily accessible to think that there's anybody saying that six weeks is like more than enough time to be able to get this done. Is is just baffling, and you know there was something interesting about not finding out concretely, but just kind of instinctually knowing that I was pregnant, or at least like very late for my period, when I was in Daytona and was surrounded by all of these Confederate flags and Trump trucks and the silent majority advertising and religious people and and kind of being surrounded by this general deeply conservative energy, that was tough for me. Because I am somebody who seeks to learn perspectives from all corners of the human experience and all corners of the country. And I want to try my best to understand them. And most importantly, I want to find where our commonalities are, where our similarities are, where the connecting points are. But to be in a place surrounded by so many people who I knew would staunchly oppose what I was doing and then probably reject me as a person, despite liking me in the interactions that we had during the Bike Week events, it just, it just made me sad to know that like one decision... And especially like a hyper personalized medical decision could get in the way of a friendship and in a bigger way that religious values could get in a way of connection and political values can get in the way of connection. We know this right? Like when we all choose to watch our polarized news networks, like we all think to ourselves, oh, I, I could never be friends with somebody who believes in X, Y, and Z. I, I, I could never be close to somebody who supports X, Y, and Z cause. But then you find yourself in a position that is the target of like endless debate and endless rhetoric. and And you watch people who have never experienced, and in the case of a lot of these old white men will never experience like talking about your situation as if they know something about it when like they clearly don't. It, it, it's, it's hurtful in a way that like I can't describe it's infuriating in a way that I can't describe. And I, I, I was, I was bummed to like have gone to Daytona with, with this idea of learning and being open-minded and finding the commonality But just knowing that I was dealing with something that like would never allow that connection to happen if it were to come to light. And you know, who knows, like maybe even the idea that like it's gonna, this goes live and it's gonna fuck up some of my friendships or some people who really respected me are gonna inevitably message me and be like, well, I really liked you and respected your work. And then I heard this and now I don't respect you anymore. Like, you really step back and you think about that and it's, it's actually messed up. Um, if anything, I've just been relieved. I've been relieved to feel in control of my body again. I've been relieved to have enough energy to actually complete my work. I've been relieved not to have to lie to the people around me about why I can't get out of bed or leave my room. I feel relieved to not have to worry anymore. The only thing that I feel guilty about, truly the only thing that i feel guilty about is the fact a that there are so many women out there who wish to be in my position who have not yet been able to be in my position and that there are women out there who who are not able to get this kind of help that they need and there's another component of this that there are women out there who don't feel as though they can speak about this and feel alone in their experiences and that is why i am here airing out all of my dirty laundry there is so much fear so much fire surrounding this word and this concept. But I am here to tell you with my name and my face attached to this story that it is not a big deal. If you have no doubt in your mind that you do not want to be a mother, there is no guilt or shame in that. Nothing is wrong with you. Every individual person is entitled to their own experiences their own choices, their, their own repercussions, the way that it makes them feel, it's all valid. But I am specifically looking to address those of you out there who are either currently pregnant and afraid and confused and considering an abortion, or those of you who have had one and feel like you can't speak openly about it, those of you who know that you are not at the right time in your life yet, and you have access to this choice. And you are being made to feel bad about your access to that choice and your access to the, the, the freedom to say that you want it. That's totally normal. Or at least it should be normal. And it's normal in Allie Weiss' world. So I do hope that me doing this helped um, somebody out there. And I know I say this at the end of every episode, but I really mean it. Please let me know how you're feeling. Please share your stories with me. DM me. Email me. Figure out where I live and show up outside my door. Like, I am speaking outwardly about this because I want to create a dialogue. Um, my email is ali ally at aliweissworld.com. My Instagram is at Uh, for those of you who became big fans and big supporters through listening to my pain and suffering. um, I now have merch available on my website, sweatshirts and thongs that are very cute. You can find that at aliewiceworld.com. Thank you genuinely to everybody who listened to this episode, but also thank you to everybody who composes my community and uh, makes me feel as though I am safe to share and makes me feel as though my opinions are valid and my experiences are valid.